All right, Luke Thomas here with MMA Fighting with Brian Stan. We've already done one part of this series. We spoke to Ben Askren about Habib Nurmagomedov, but there's two fighters, of course, in the co-main event of UFC 209, Tony Ferguson being the other. Brian, let's start with, I think to me, where everything centers on this guy. We can talk about Tony Ferguson's athleticism. We can talk about a lot of different attributes that he has, but I want to start mentally. This is, this is a guy who is a walking testament of self-belief, and it's not merely that he's tough. It's not merely that he's dialed in. He just, he, he's reckless with, while being calculating. Speak to me, if you can, from the competitor's mindset. When you notice how he mentally approaches the game, what do you think makes it work for him, even though he's so offensive and it's sometimes kind of reckless? Oh, I, I think it really, it goes all the way back to the way he trains every day and then how that self-belief and the way that he trains then manifests itself when he performs in the octagon. A lot of people at face value look at Tony Ferguson and they take his self-belief as arrogance. And, and it's really not. When you truly get to know him, and I've called a couple of his fights now, and had the chance to, to dive in and talk to him about his training, talk to his coaches and training partners, he's someone who does things very, very different, and he embraces it. He's not the type of guy who selects one head coach and then does whatever that person tells him to and allows a coach maybe to box them in on what their game plan or their style should be, right? He goes out there and he grabs coaches and adopts them to his style and where he wants to be in the future and the things he wants to do, which is limitless. He wants to be the best striker. He wants to be the best grappler. He wants to be the best submission artist. And, and he trained so uniquely that this guy built his own gym in his house. Him and his father built it so that he could, he could train at home and, and have a place to, to, to work out. He, he's done all kinds of different unique things. And when I went and watched him train in Mexico City, this is the week of his fight when he was fighting Rafael Basanias. I'm watching him train. He's doing a lot more than most people would do the week of a fight. Nothing too, too rigorous, but just by the time. You know, he spends quite a bit of time in there sweating and doing stuff. But the whole time you could see him kind of talking to himself. You could see things going on behind his eyes. And, and he's just visualizing. The whole time visualizing, watching himself win every position, win every exchange, you know, adapt to whatever Dos Anjos is going to do and come back from it. And when, when you watch a lot of fights, as both you and I do, typical fighters, when things start to go wrong, you can start to sense when they've broken. And it doesn't mean that they've broken and they're going to quit, right? Sometimes it means they've broken and they've accepted that they're probably going to lose this fight and they are just happy to go to decision. Sometimes it comes out and they, they just quit and they want to get out of the octagon as soon as possible. With Tony Ferguson, that, that's not even remotely close to happening ever. Even when he fought Rafael Dos Anjos and there were periods there where Desanya started to battle back in the fight, started to get his range and his timing, and he would crack Ferguson hard. The things that take place in Ferguson's mind are, okay, you caught me once, now I'm going to get you. There's never – his self-belief is so strong that it never allows any doubt to seep in, and doubt is the worst enemy of a fighter, and everybody's susceptible to it. I have not found a moment in Tony Ferguson's career yet where he's been susceptible to any doubt. You know, what's interesting is you get a guy like Diego Sanchez, who is also this sort of mentally perseverant guy. Uh, I'm not saying that Diego's not a skilled fighter, but I, I don't think it's fair to say he's as skilled as Tony. And I think some might sort of look at, at, at what Diego does and they'll say, you know, it's something of like a, 
not compensating exactly, but because he might be, you know, relative to the very highest level, slightly below that, he will will himself to greatness and in some ways overachieve. But you don't really have that with Tony. You have a guy who has the elite capabilities and he has this combination of mental fortitude. I'm wondering from your perspective if you think that's a fair assessment and to what extent is that rare? I I think it's a very fair assessment and I also think it's extraordinarily rare. Right, in most athletes who are very gifted physically, and 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 they can pick up skills so quickly because it comes so easy to them, they don't develop that same level of grittiness, that same level of ability to 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 come back if things aren't going their way, or to really push themselves when it matters most. And we see it all the time. You know, you see people that are that are truly truly gifted, but they never achieve that level of greatness because they kind of took it for granted. And a lot of that comes from, hey, it just came easy to them. They, they didn't have to grind and to work and to sweat and to bleed to obtain all those skills. So that it, it was never so valuable to them that they were willing to go to hell and back to, to achieve what they wanted to achieve. With, with Tony, it's different. You know, he, he has both. He's a very, very gifted athlete, but he truly enjoys that hard work. He enjoys that moment every day when you train in, in mixed martial arts, every day there comes a time you're training for a fight where your body and your mind are telling you, man, just stop. This hurts. All right. This isn't, this is boring. This is, this is not fun. I don't want to hit pads for another round. I don't want to grapple this guy for another round. This is starting to hurt and be painful. And Tony always fights through it. And he enjoys that about himself. You know, you can see the way he carries himself. You know, the way he puts out different pictures of him being, you know, the, the boogeyman. He, he knows that. He, he's gone past that breaking point in his life many, many times. And he knows that other people can't. He's seen other people hit that and quit. And when, when he's gone past that and he knows he has that advantage over you, he enjoys taking a fight to that moment. That's why he pushes such a crazy pace. He wants to get you to that wall. And he wants you to see him cross it and not care that he's tired, not care that he's bleeding. And then you get scared of him, and, and he enjoys that point in the fight where he starts to break. One of the things that's kind of interesting to me, I mean, it's sort of like a white-collar game with a blue-collar ethic. I don't know if that's the best way to describe it, but it kind of feels that way a little bit. But he has a real thirst for imagination and a thirst for innovation. And I'm wondering, where do you think that comes from exactly? Because a lot of fighters, they, they, they show up, I think, at the highest level, and they want to learn, they want to be shown things, and... We often hear, like, so-and-so is a sponge. But being a sponge is one thing, being receptive to teaching. Another one is having an idea about yourself and trying to mold an image. Is that what Tony's doing, and, and how hard is that? It's extremely hard. I mean, I, I remember, you know, personally, when, when I was training at Jackson's and primarily under Coach Winklejohn, you know, he has a lot of traditional martial arts experience, and so he would try to show guys different side kicks and spinning kicks. You know, everybody looked at him was kind of like, ah, that's not going to work for me. Coach, those things don't work in the sport. A lot of us were resistant to it because, you know, me primarily because everybody wanted to take me down. And I thought that left me more susceptible to those takedowns. A lot of other people, well, those just won't work, you know, and then you get guys like the Tony Ferguson's like the John, you know, John Jones, obviously the first day he came to the gym, he loved all that stuff. You know, they don't box themselves in. They're, they're, you know, he, he, Tony believes so much that, hey, you know what? I love all this stuff. And I like the fact that you, if you tell him that won't work, that means that almost guarantees he's going to throw it in his next fight. That, you know, some people are just like that. 
That's just part of his personality. You hear that said about a lot of fighters. Oh, if you tell them they can't do it, now they're definitely going to try, you know. Not everybody's like that. Tony definitely is. It's almost a personal challenge to him now. If you tell him that these techniques shouldn't work in the octagon, it's a personal challenge for him to find a way to integrate it into his skill set and make it work. And then he has a he has a real belief in that some of the things he throws at you will confuse you and cause you to make a mistake. It's it's why he applies so much pressure. It's why he throws strikes from different stances. Sometimes he even squares up, which shortens his reach and makes him more hittable. But when he becomes more hittable, he believes that you make openings yourself. You know, you look for a knockout on him, and that creates openings for him to capitalize. And some of the things he does is to throw stuff at you until you make a mistake. And once you make it, that's where he takes you down. That's where he chokes you. That's where he can knock you out. That's where he can finish you. And he really, he really, really likes to do that. And he's had such good experience. You see it in his fights where he throws so much at you, so many different things, and then you see the moment, bam, there's the mistake Barbosa made, now he's choked out, now he's finished. So let's start breaking down a bit of his game here ahead of this Nurmagomedov fight. You know, I went back and I'll start with the striking, for example. I went back and I watched um, his last loss, the Michael Johnson fight. I mean, we are talking about a barely recognizable fighter. He didn't switch stances. He was stuck in orthodox the whole time. Uh, he was getting countered on the right, his right-hand side, the left-hand side of Michael Johnson over and over throughout the fight. And he was tough. He didn't go away. He broke his arm and he persevered, you know, uh, pursuant to all the things we already talked about. But I'm wondering, as a guy who's been observing his career and called a few of his fights, how did he make a change? And where can we pinpoint where he really began to turn a corner? You know, I, I think that, that 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 was the corner change. I think that that defeat was with where he turned that corner and where he started to experiment a little bit more. He started to say, wait a minute here. You know, I, I'm not going to be held to this one style. I'm going to keep an open mind. And, and he kind of woke up and realized, wait a minute, I've got, you know, sometimes this happens to fighters. They're capable of doing a lot of things in the gym, but then they go on the octagon and they kind of, you know, they only do the things that always work for them. They're not, they're, they're not as open to experimentation. And all of a sudden, one day, he just stopped doing that. And now we saw everything that he was doing in the gym now, and he didn't just feel like, hey, I need to stand in this stance because this is where I'm best, or I need to primarily use these techniques because this is where I'm best. And when, when that happened, you could see his confidence incrementally go up each and every fight. And, and that, that's the difference maker. And then obviously, too, the, the pressure and the pace he fights at. It's one thing to be technically better than someone in, in one area. But to be better than them at the pace that Tony Ferguson brings is really difficult. And, and it reminds me of a totally different fighter than him. But, but Clay Guida was a guy that used to, that does that to people. He's, he's not as talented as some of these fighters in certain areas, but he's better than them when they have to fight. When he forces you to fight at his pace, then he becomes a real problem for him. And, and I think, you know, when, when you go and you see the, the Mike Real fights, the, the Kikuno fights, those are the, the times where he starts to turn corners, starts to experiment a little bit more, uh, and then you know starts taking out some real monsters. And, and Trujillo, who's stylistically a tougher matchup for him than Gleason Tebow, who's a tough matchup for anybody, dominant win over a guy, a veteran, and Josh Thompson. You know those those are fights where you start to see him using new techniques. But now, in his last couple of fights, he's he's using them at 90 miles an hour. When guys learn new things, there's typically a phase there where it slows them down a little bit because they're thinking more in the octagon. Then all of a sudden they get comfortable with all that information and they've practiced it so much that it's instinct 
and then they can fight at 90 miles an hour again. And that's, that's the Tony Ferguson that we're seeing now. Now he's through that phase where some of this new experimentation and new techniques slowed him down a little bit, and now he's just coming at you with everything. It's amazing. I've never seen a fighter who you can tie almost all the things they do well to this, this, this insane mental approach. I went back and I watched that T-Bow fight. He assaulted him. Like he, ne- I mean, he put him under. It reminded me of a big brother drowning a kid brother, and the kid brother f- trying to force his way up to to get air, and just never had a moment. That what would you call that? Bravery, uh, recklessness, uh, athletic courage. What what do we call that kind of approach to a, a guy like Gleason Tebow in, in a fight of that kind of consequence? I mean, it, it's hard to put. There's so many words. You can, you can put in there. But I, to me, I don't know if I could put one word to it. I think when I watch that fight, I see a man in Tony Ferguson who walks into the octagon knowing he's going to win the fight. Not wondering, not hoping. He walked in there knowing how good he was and knowing that he was going to win that fight. And he wanted to show the world that, hey, I'm going to take this guy who's always been a tough out for everybody. Nobody smokes this guy. I'm going to come out here. I'm going to make him look bad. And he just he just knew. And that's the power. You're so many fighters that realize this and know that this game is so much more mental than people realize. You see some of these guys that go out there and they're phenomenal in the gym. And in the octagon, you see 50% of what they're capable of. Because, again, it's not who the best fighter is. It's who fights best in that moment. And Tony Ferguson has found a way to walk in there and each and every time fight best in that moment. Now, fight best two weeks before when he's, when he's trying to peak early in the gym, but in that moment in the octagon. And, and it's just, you know, he just knew in that fight. He just knew. So let's talk about just a little bit more about his striking. What can we say about it if we're actually analyzing it? Um, to me, he has just a, uh, and this is obviously a little simplistic, but he does have a wide arsenal, right? He's got big power. He actually takes a shot pretty well. That's not, that's not evidence of striking prowess, but something that is to be noted given how offensive a sport MMA is. But he just he's a guy who's willing to um, not merely throw a lot of different things, but has a lot of like really sharpened weapons. Like I think people think of Tony and they think of a spinning back fist, and that's a fair representation to an extent. But I've been really sort of marveling at the development of his lead uppercut uh, and the way he's willing to sort of sit down on it and throw it in certain circumstances, backing Dosanjos up with it, cracking him over and over with it. What, what would you say about Tony? And specifically, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about his footwork. Well, I mean, I think the, the footwork is really where it starts because he, he creates openings. He comes at you forward, and you're expecting a certain angle. And then sometimes after his first strike, he switches stances, and then he steps just a little bit to the right or left as he's coming forward. And what that does is it just alters the angles he's thrown at you just a slight amount. So all of a sudden, the punch that you think you're going to be able to block, you think you're going to be able to slip, now catches you. You know, and, and it's really difficult when you're backing up. You hear, you know, you hear people talk about it all the time in boxing and mixed martial arts. He can't fight backing up. He can't fight backing up. It, it's true. There's a lot of guys who have a hard time that can, that you know, when they have to fight backing up, especially defensively. And he causes you to back up the entire time. But the interesting thing too, though, is his ability to use his feet to get back. You know, if you look, there's some moments in that T-Bow fight where he's pressure and pressure and pressure. He's throwing combinations. And out of nowhere, Reyes T-Bow looks to counter. Ferguson is actually able to quickly hop back and get out of range. 
that's really tough to do. Not a lot of guys are that light on their feet that they can go in, out, and move back at the same time. And that, when you couple that kind of footwork with the stance switches, it's really, really impressive because he could switch the stances come forward and he'll switch the stances going backwards at times as well. And that changes things up quite a bit. So if we can, the one area where, he, I mean, this is what he was promoted as when he first started in the UFC. He was promoted as a guy who was a wrestler. And it's true. I mean, he's got the USA logo, excuse me, the USA wrestling logo tattooed on himself. And he does have, I think, really good defensive wrestling. We saw it in, for example, the Dos Anjos fight. Not a wrestler per se, but, you know, it's decent wrestling for MMA purposes. And, and you know, uh, Ferguson no-sold it. But I went back and I watched the Castillo fight. Now, some of those takedowns he just gave up because he was, you know, trying Imanari rolls and things like that. But what I guess what I'm wondering is, in the grappling department, this is where I wonder if his confidence might backfire a little bit, not least of which is because this is Nurmagomedov's world. But he, he does not – flopping to his back is not, is not right. But he will dive to his back to launch an attack. And in fairness to his opponents, they're fairly low percentage. I mean, he catches some people with it, but Castillo got out of all of them. He didn't get offense going. So I guess what I'm wondering is, we know he's a good wrestler, but does he have a liability there in that particular department, A – given the skill differential with Nurmagomedov, and B, because he seems especially likely to go for low-percentage attacks. I, 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 do, I do agree with that assessment. I don't feel like it's a good move for Tony Ferguson to get too fancy early in the fight. You know, if, if you allow Nurmagomedov to get on top, you give up an easy takedown because you're looking to roll out, you're looking to do something fancy, typically not going to work on a guy like Nurmagomedov. But he has a style that can drain your energy quickly. You know, there, there's, it's, there's nothing more tiring than offensive takedowns in MMA. The only thing that comes close is having to work your way back to your feet against a guy who's really, really good at riding you. And I just I don't think that's a good idea for Ferguson early, you know, maybe first two rounds. Once the fight starts to get in, into where they're both bloody, they're both tired, you know, they're both really wet and, 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 and it's harder to hold on to people – then he could start to get a little bit more creative and a little bit more funky in some of the things he's doing. Because at that point, you know, then, then Khabib could start to put his head into danger. And I just also like, I like with Tony style and his ability to choke you in multiple situations. I like him defending takedowns early because when you defend takedowns early, your opponent's head is, is in a position where you can look for front headlocks. And anytime Tony can get into a front headlock position, you're in a lot of danger of a Darsh or an Anaconda. And he's got a lot of cool transitions off those if you defend them, whether it's taking the back, whether it's looking for a guillotine, whether it's sliding to a different position. So I like him stuffing the early takedowns, pushing the head down, getting to a front headlock vice, allowing your Magomedov to throw a combination, get in tight on his hips, and then having to try to roll out or go to his back and trying to pay, play that game there because Nurmagomedov is just so heavy on top, especially if you allow your back to touch the mat and, and give him that position where he could start to solidify himself. What kind of trouble do you think Nurmagomedov is going to give him in those first three rounds? I mean, I, I, I'm confident he'll get some takedowns, but I just don't know how often and how much he'll be able to do with him. What do you think? You know, I, I think some of the trouble, I think Nurmagomedov is a better striker than he showed against Michael Johnson. And, and I think he'll be able to connect because Tony, you know, Tony is still hittable where, where he's really good. 
I think he's a little hittable. And, and I think Nurmagomedov could give him a little bit of trouble uh, on the feet, more than maybe he's expecting or, or maybe underestimating him a little bit. So he's got to be careful and use good head movement. We've seen Ferguson have good head movement before. You know, you, you referenced the Gleason Tebow fight in that one. He had excellent head movement. But I don't, you know, Tebow wasn't exactly the fastest handed guy at 165 pounds. He's just so big. Uh, and then obviously, <clears throat> I think he gives him trouble, even if he just gets into the clinch. If he can get a body lock and try to hold Tony Ferguson against the fence, anytime you get guys who fight at that kind of pace that have really long reach, excellent footwork, wildly creative, don't give them the space. Get your arms around their waist. Get them pressed up against the fence and do everything you can to keep them there. It's a five-round fight, so don't be afraid to make it a little boring at first. Nurmagomedov doesn't care. You can boo him. He's not going to care. But Tony Ferguson, a lot of the things he does and does well, he can't do them if you've got him tied up and pushed up against the fence. And I think Nurmagomedov may be physically a little bit stronger. So I'm wondering if, they, if it goes to the ground and let's say Tony decides to play with him there. Like, I'll, I'll accept the takedown uh, because I believe I can submit you off my back or some kind of thought like that, which I don't think is crazy for to assume that Tony might do that. I'm wondering what you make of his guard. We, we don't see it a whole lot, which is to say sometimes he'll lock it up, but... He's in that Eddie Bravo system a little bit, which is not something I have a ter- terrible degree of expertise in. Um, we mostly know his submissions for his Darces, his snap downs, he, um, yeah, you know, things that come from a front headlock series or something of that like. What, what do you make if he decides to work off of his back against Nurmagomedov? Does he have much of a chance there? You know, I, I don't like... I don't like anybody going to their back on purpose. I think what he does have a good chance of, I think he, if he focuses on neutralizing him and, and slowing things down, if he can control posture and use those long limbs to lock Nurmagomedov down, whether he uses rubber guard or, or he, he overhooks the, the head, ties up you know, the, the shoulders and the arms with overhooks, if he does that, slow him down and hold on to him and then maybe work to neutralize his ground and pound as he tries to then scoot to the fence and get himself back up. What he's got to be really careful of is when guys try to get back to their feet against Nurmagomedov, he does such a good job of controlling a wrist, of grabbing an arm, of grabbing one of your posts to get back up, ripping it out from under you, maintaining control of it, and then smashing you with his other hand. He is really, really crafty there. And so with, with Tony, it's if you get taken down, I'd much rather see him in his mind, hey, when you're halfway down, you're actually halfway up. As soon as you, the best time to get back up to your feet is right as the takedown's happening. If you let a guy like Nurmagomedov settle, boy, it's going to cost you a lot of energy if you do get back to your feet, or it could cost you the entire round because it's that hard to get back up. So I don't like him playing guard in this. I'd much rather see him instead of close guard, work for butterfly guard work to move as much as Tony can move under there and disrupt the offense and create some space and then get back to his feet immediately. If he's going to be in guard, it better be to lock the mug and off that up, make it boring, force the referee to stand them back up. Um, what, what can we say about Tony Ferguson's fight IQ? Because it's a very separate question than does he have a lot of ability? Does he beat good guys, right? Because he does have a lot of ability and he does beat good guys. But there were a couple times that Dos Anjos fight where he was doing his thing and I think he was enjoying himself. And yes, he got the nod, but it wasn't as pragmatic, direct to a winning strategy as it could have been. It was just his sort of circuitous roundabout way. As much as we're praising Tony, in fairness to Nurmagomedov, is there a case to be made that Tony Ferguson's ability, while high, 
maybe his fight IQ is slightly questionable. And let me just say I'm defining fight IQ in this context as someone who makes great decisions in the middle of a fight. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's, I, I do, I think he has a very solid fight IQ. It'd be hard for me to criticize him because it's a double-edged sword, right? There's times where we're going to praise him for his brilliance and creativity because it works. And there's just times where, Hey, it doesn't pan out the way he wanted to. And then we're dinging him on, on his fight IQ. I think, I think if there is a matchup for him to be a little bit more conservative or deliberate in the creative takes, uh, techniques he throws, this is the one. And so if that's kind of me, nonchalantly saying, Hey, you know, make really good decisions in this fight. Uh, you know, then that, that's what I'm doing. I don't think this is the fight where he's got a better chance of getting back to his feet time and time again, against a Rafael Dos Anjos than he does against a Khabib Nurmagomedov. And so I think he does have to be smart not to put himself in really questionable positions against this guy. But I think some of the things he does, like his own offensive takedowns, even when they fail, you saw on like round four against Desanya, he shot on him and then it didn't work, popped right back up, fires off a combo. I think things like that are fine. But, but techniques where you have a high probability of ending up on your back are really the ones that, that if I were coaching him and I was in his corner, I would tell him to avoid. Let's, let's not do that, especially early. Let's, let's get up. Let's get up a round or two on this guy. Let's start to, you know, crack his confidence, make him doubt himself before you start doing that to create other openings and make force him to make a mistake because, you know, Khabib doesn't make mistakes. He's not a guy who puts himself in compromised positions. You know exactly what he wants to go out there and do. As we wrap this conversation, one of the things that's also remarkable about Tony is just his, and you mentioned it, the Mexico City things. I mean, his, I mean, he, I said this before, like, People got mad at Tony for not calling out McGregor after he beat Dos Anjos. And I'm like, do you understand? He just beat Rafael Dos Anjos in the sky. Like, this is an insane athletic achievement that he was able to get. And this is hardly the first demonstration of his really impeccable cardio. And to me, like, to, to circle back to the beginning of this conversation, we talked about his mental framework. I really believe that a lot of the things that he does well comes from sort of just trial and error in his life. Like, I, I bet he figured out pretty early he was heavy-handed. And I bet he figured out pretty early he did have an aptitude for learning. And I bet he figured out pretty early that he was naturally flexible and that he does have, I mean, all pro athletes have to work on their cardio in this, in this line of work, but that, you know, he could make real gains and he could outlast his opposition. What can you say about, you know, not merely um, what his cardio does for him, but about that theory about him, that I think he has a lot of natural gifts that inform his judgment about himself, and that then gives birth to everything we get to see. It's mind and body working together, feeding off the same sort of feedback. I, I agree. You know, it's interesting. When, when I landed in Mexico City, it was, it was quite a long ride because of the traffic to get to our hotel. And, and I got to take that ride with Tony's parents. And it was enlightening to sit there and talk to them about their son and what he was like growing up and all the things we discussed from that belief, from his athletic ability early on, from his love for a challenge, his belief in himself. I mean, his mom sat there and talked about how, I mean, these, these things were happening when he was not even 10 years old yet. Some of the things that he liked to do in the crazy athletic achievements yet and how hard he used to work as a youth wrestler. And she knew right away, you know, that, that her son was, was just different and, and that, she could tell him 10 times to do one thing and, and that only reinforced that he was going to do something else. And so 
uh, I think all of those things, when I had that conversation with his parents, all those things are answered. And, and it solidifies our argument about, about that belief in his creativity. But his cardio is phenomenal. To push the pace like he did in round five in Mexico City. I've said this before. I don't think <clears throat> the UFC should ever go back to that city. Ever. It is that hard to fight there. That hard. Every fighter on that card had to fly out there and live there for a month. Not all of them did. <clears throat> and you can certainly tell the ones who paid the price. To go there and do what he did in that climate was remarkable. And, and I don't know if we talked about it enough during that fight just because the fight was so incredible in its own. There was so much happening technically. But that is a massive advantage coming into this fight and his ability to push the pace. And we will now, we're going to learn a lot about Nurmagomedov and, and his ability to keep up with that because I've never felt, I worked out twice when I was in Mexico City. I've never felt altitude like that. That's crazy. Yeah, my wife lives in, or my wife's from Bogota, Colombia, which is actually just slightly higher than that. And I, I got uh, dizzy getting off the plane. <laughs> yeah, I, I, Forrest Griffin and I grappled for about 30 minutes there. He, he's a big guy. I could not believe how tired I was. But but for a guy like Ferguson, you know, you, you can't push a pace like that unless you've known for years that, that your heart can just keep up with it. I mean, he learned early on in wrestling that he can go into a tournament where he's going to wrestle four or five times a day, and, and he can just go. The kid can just go. And the way he trains, when I watched him train that week, I was sitting there watching the guys he's rolling with, then I'm watching him hit pads, and I'm thinking to myself, when is this session going to end? He fights in two days, when, and, and, and it just didn't. And he can just go. He can get, once he gets to a certain point where he's warmed up, man, he is just, he's in motion and there's no stopping. 